You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. That's where we're going to start tonight. I'm going to talk to you about disappointment this evening. Uh, And when I say disappointment, please don't turn and look at your spouse. Uh, That's not why I said that. Um, Golly, only half the room laughed. I guess the other half is like, oh, I'm serious about that. No, I'm not serious about that. Romans 8, chapter 28 is a verse that we hear a lot of times. And I want to ask you tonight, do you really believe this verse? Because this is what it says. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. You know, another version of this scripture says that he turns everything for our good, right? Do we really believe that scripture? I think the honest answer, and I heard two yeses, um, is probably yes most of the time. Because do you ever complain about stuff going on in your life? You still kind of believe in this scripture, right? But maybe half-hearted at that time where you're like, I don't know, I can't see the good in this. Ever been in those situations? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. And how the disappointment in our lives comes from a place that we may not be expecting. You may be surprised where disappointment comes from. And maybe not. Maybe you got all this figured out and you should be up here preaching instead of me. But the scripture says, so we are convinced. So why do we have to be convinced? Why does the scripture start off saying that? And other versions say other things, but it's all about belief about what's about to be said. They all say the same thing. Like, we believe this, and then this statement happens. The reason why is because God knows who we are. And he knows that we have to be convinced of things because we're humans. And a lot of times we are going to have those feelings where it's like we've quoted a scripture a million times, and that it's still kind of hard to believe that scripture, even though we've said it so many times. And in our heart of hearts, we know we believe that scripture, but man, things don't look like that scripture is about to come to pass in our lives. God knew that in our humanity, we would struggle with those thoughts. So he knows that we have to be convinced. And so forever, since the time that God has existed, which is forever, there's no starting point to that, it's always been, God has been faithful to lay down a track record for us so that we can look back and say, God has always been good to me in my life. So there's never a time that we can look back and say, God wasn't good to me. And things don't always work out the way that we want them to. And that's the basic definition of disappointment. Things didn't go the way that you thought that they were going to go. So we're disappointed. If things had gone our way, no disappointment, right? We'll get into the, the, to the meat of that a little bit more, but, you know, a lot of times as people, we're disappointed with the outcome of something, you know? Maybe you didn't get the job that you wanted. Maybe the relationship that you thought was going to work out ended up not working out. Maybe the timing of how something happened. Yeah, I got my new car, but it was six months later, so I missed this opportunity or this happened, and we're disappointed, Church family, I've got a big surprise for you tonight, but we're the ones who set ourselves up for disappointment. Not God, right? And we're going to read about a woman in the Word here in a minute. We're going to talk about her and how she faced her disappointment. 
And, and we're all going to have those opportunities where we're going to have to deal with that disappointment. So when we do realize that disappointment is just our hopes and our expectations not coming to pass, now we know that we're dealing with disappointment and that we are the source of that disappointment. I can promise you, maybe there have been times in your life where you've been disappointed with God, but he did not disappoint you, right? It's kind of like whenever you say to someone that you're in a relationship with, whether it's your brother or sister or mom or dad or spouse or whoever, and you're like, well, you're making me feel like this. No, nobody can make you feel anyway, can they? God is never the source of our disappointment. Now, this is the convinced part of this scripture that this talks about here. We have to be convinced of this. If we're not convinced of it, then at some point, we're going to let the enemy lie to us or someone, including ourselves, is going to let us down and we're going to get disappointed and that's going to lead to something else. We can never allow our disappointment to become devastation. We all know people that at some time were serving God, right? They had a relationship with God, man, they were coming to church, they were making good choices and decisions. Maybe they had put some of the things of the world behind them and then something happens in their life where they're like, oh, this is too big for me to overcome. And they look at a situation and they begin being disappointed with it. And before it's all over, it's, that thing has completely devastated their life because they didn't deal with the disappointment. And God gives us, of course, ways to deal with the things in this life that we don't enjoy. And not every disappointment and not everything in this life that we don't enjoy is bad. Sometimes we might think, you know, I want to do this for a living. Well, you're not called to do that for a living. Maybe that wasn't your calling. And you might be disappointed that that never worked out. But, you know, if, if you're not cut out to be a brain surgeon, not saying that you're all not smart enough to be brain surgeons, but, you know, maybe you have a little bit of the shakes and before you have your coffee in the morning and that wouldn't be good for a brain surgeon, right? And so maybe you're not called to be a brain surgeon. You really wanted to be a brain surgeon because you thought about all the money that they made and, you know, how it made you appear really smart and all of these things. But you're not called to that thing and you're disappointed. You have to look back and go, well, maybe God was protecting me from something. Or maybe God was protecting someone that you were going to be operating uh, from something. <laughs> so it's not always bad for us to be disappointed. These are, this is one of the things that our society really struggles with, is that if something doesn't go our way as a society, we either give up, badmouth it, blame somebody else for it, or the worst thing that we can do as people, we can let disappointments change the direction of our lives. And that's the last thing that we want to do, because we're the source of disappointment, so that means that we have cut God out of the equation in sending us a certain direction in our lives. And it's never good to be on a path that God didn't put you on, amen? So don't allow disappointment to become devastation. Um, as many of you know, uh, and if you don't know, uh, you're about to hear the story, but uh, seven weeks ago, uh, I faced uh, the greatest disappointment of my entire life was in Arizona, we were at a hotel, we were traveling for our 10th anniversary. Um, I say we were traveling. Uh, we had left that day and stopped in Arizona to sleep. And I turned in the shower to grab the shampoo and my foot slipped 
and I fell out of the shower onto the toilet and fractured three of my vertebra. It, yeah, that hurt really bad. I wish you'd have been there to give me that sympathy, right? And I, oh, that would have been really nice to fill in that moment. Uh, no, I probably would have yelled at you um, because it hurt very, very bad. The moment wasn't that disappointing because my wife came in and she was like, you know, and I told her right away, I heard my back break in my head. Like in your ears, you can hear that happen. And so I heard it snap. And so I told my wife, I said, no, I didn't tell her. At the top of my lungs, I was yelling, babe, I broke my back. And, uh, and so she comes in and um, I'm, she's like, I'm going to call the ambulance. And I'm like, oh, no, you're not. You know, typical men. Oh, you're not going to call the ambulance. I'm I'm a grown man. I'll get up from this broken back. And uh, uh, needless to say, I couldn't get up. Uh, the ambulance came. And the first person to walk in was like this little 5'2", 105-pound blonde girl. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, right. Like, babe, maybe you should have given them some instruction about who was laying in the floor. Um, but it was okay because then a fireman walked in, and he was like 6'9", 350. This guy was huge. Uh, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, that guy can help me. Um, but the disappointment began after I got to the hospital and started to figure out, okay, we're going to miss our anniversary trip, which was a bummer because we had a lot of things planned. And, you know, I love my wife and love spending time with her. So who wouldn't want to do those things right? And then the disappointment really set in when I realized that, you know, for the next couple of weeks, I I couldn't stand up by myself. Uh, I had to have a walker to walk around the house. Um, like, you know, and it's incredible. You know, this is seven weeks ago, and, like, I'm almost completely back to doing everything that I was doing before. God's incredibly good, right? But I learned so much. You know, a lot of times we get people who call in for prayer, and, and uh, I've never been injured in my life outside of, like, a sprained ankle or something. So it's given me a lot of compassion for people who are, who get injured, you know. I'm sorry. It's going to sound really bad, but I always thought to myself, well, why don't you just kind of get up and walk it off? You know, surely you can stretch that out, right? Well, I found out that that wasn't the case. And in those moments, I was so disappointed because I was miss, I missed my anniversary. I missed uh, riding my motorcycle a ton, right? Um, not that you guys come after the motorcycle, but I missed you guys a bunch. Um, I meant that as a joke, and I got three people to laugh, so <laughs> let me make it abundantly clear. You're more important than things, Absolutely. Uh, you can ask my wife, it was so hard not to be at church. And I was so disappointed because I wasn't playing my role in my job. I couldn't play my full role uh, in my home, you know. 15-year-old had to start carrying out the trash and, and uh, you know, um, doing everything that I usually do. And he was awesome about it. But you're sitting there in that recliner all that time, and it start, you start to question, you start to question your self-worth because you're like, Man, if I can't do these things for people that I'm used to doing, what good am I? And when I asked myself that question, it just made me more disappointed, more disappointed, more disappointed. And I realized that this is how people slip into depression. And I did not slip into a depression. Awesome people around me, was able to read the word and pray. And uh, I know many of you were praying for me and for us. Uh, my wife was an incredible support. All those kind of things were going on but I was still just facing that disappointment. So people go from being disappointed to depressed, and then they become devastated. So now, like, my eyes are wide open to what happens in these scenarios, right? Because it's difficult to kind of be cut off from the outside world. 
it's kind of difficult to be cut off from the outside world. And some of you might think, oh my gosh, that would be so nice. You know, I would love to be at my house and, and not come out of it for three or four weeks or whatever. Um, yeah, everybody thinks that until you're stuck doing it, right? And then it's like miserable. But the disappointment that I faced also caused me to learn some great lessons that we're gonna uh, talk about at the end. But I wanna drop down and I wanna go to John chapter 11 and we're gonna read about this lady who experienced much greater disappointment than I experienced. And you know, speaking to all of you tonight, I just want you to kind of think about kind of the greatest disappointment of your life and where that came from. See, when I was dealing with being disappointed, it wasn't because God told me that I wasn't doing things well enough, right? It's not like God was like, well, you're not the man that you used to be. You can't, you know, do this and that. Uh, my wife wasn't saying that to me. She was taking care of me. None of you were saying that to me. You know, so many of you guys um, uh, came by and visited and called and texted and uh, brought food, and I couldn't go to the gym, so thanks a lot for that. Um, um, you know, I'll be working on that until after Christmas for sure. Uh, but, you know, it, it wasn't anybody else who, were put, who was putting those thoughts in my head. It was me. And so I want you to think about the greatest disappointment of your life. And I want, want you to think about how you either bounced back from it or how you're still dealing with it. Because as we read the scripture about this lady in the word, you're going to be able to connect with her. This is going to make a lot of sense to you. Because, of course, God wouldn't put it in the Bible if it didn't make sense. But in John chapter 11 and verse 1, it starts and it says, In the village of Bethany, there was a man named Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. Mary was the one who would anoint Jesus' feet with costly perfume and dry his feet with her long hair. One day, Lazarus became very sick to the point of death. So his sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, our brother Lazarus, the one you love, is very sick. Please come. So obviously, Jesus and Lazarus were, were good friends. Yeah, Jesus had friends, right? Jesus was closer to people, some people on the earth than he was to other people. I know that might come as a big surprise to all of you, but, uh, or maybe not, maybe you're a lot smarter than I am. Again, I'll probably say that a lot, because many of you are a lot smarter than I am. But when I read this kind of stuff, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. He and Lazarus were good, were good friends, and Jesus was closer to Lazarus, right? Jesus had a different kind of a relationship with him, probably a different love for him than he has or had for other people. Now, when Jesus was crucified and went to heaven, and uh, he lives with all of us now, now we get to be a part of that relationship where he's close with us. But when he just came to the earth as a man, it was different. Because even though God is omnipotent and omniscient, Jesus as a man was in one place at one time. And so that becomes the issue with Mary and Martha here, that he's in one place at one time. Please come. When he heard this in verse 4, he said, this sickness will not end in death for Lazarus. Now I want you to remember what he says to the girls here. He says, this will not end in death for Lazarus. He didn't say he wasn't gonna die. He didn't say he's not gonna go through some stuff. He didn't say any of that. Jesus told these girls up front what the outcome was gonna be. So he tried to help them. And he goes on and says, 
This sickness will not end in death for Lazarus, but will bring glory and praise to God. This will reveal the greatness of the Son of God by what takes place. Verse 5 and 6, now even though Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he remained where he was for two more days. Finally, on the third day, he said to his disciples, come, it's time to go to Bethany. So him and his disciples, they get into this discussion in between the verses that we're about to read about. But, but notice that Jesus knows that there's a certain time for him to be in this place where he's at, even though he's got this incredible relationship with Lazarus, obviously, and he's close to Lazarus. He knows that the will of God has him in this other town for two more days in Bethany, for two more days. So he doesn't move. Regardless of how he feels about Lazarus, he doesn't go. He doesn't go running because somebody put a guilt trip on him or, you know, said that he needed to be there. He didn't reevaluate his priorities based on anything except for what the will of God was in his life. So he stays there for two days, and then he tells his disciples, okay, now it's time to go. Let's go. Let's go to Bethany. Now when they arrived at Bethany, which was only about two miles from Jerusalem, where Jesus was, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So if you count that, it says two more days. The girls had sent a message to get to Jesus. So it sounds to me like on the way that the message was being delivered that Lazarus had already passed away. So he's already dead before Jesus even leaves to go travel and go to Bethany. So Martha said to Jesus, oh, wait, we got we to gotta read uh, another scripture before then. It, so whenever he found out he had been in the tomb for four days, it says many friends of Mary and Martha had come from the region to console them over the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was approaching the village, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, my Lord, if only you had come sooner, my brother wouldn't have died. You hear the disappointment in Martha. Now, she's disappointed that this has happened, and she's pointing her disappointment at Jesus. If you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Because when you're around, good things happen. And apparently when you're not around, good things don't happen, right? And so she's disappointed, and she's placing her disappointment on Jesus. Now, remember when we first started reading about what was going to happen here, Jesus told her, this will not end in death. But that's not what Martha's thinking about. Martha's thinking about what happened to her brother. And really, if we're being honest, Martha's thinking about what's happening to her. She's thinking about her hurt, her disappointment, and the disappointment of, you know, the other people around her. Probably Mary, too. But it goes on and says, but I know that if you were to get, ask God for anything, he would do it for you. So it's not that she doesn't have faith in Jesus, but she's disappointed in the situation. Jesus told her, your brother will rise and live. Now this is the second time Jesus has told her this, and listen to how she replies. Yes, I know he will rise with everyone else on resurrection day. I can just hear the light. Sarcasm, ladies, forgive me, but you guys can say things sarcastically in a way that cuts like nobody else, right? I'm sure she's shaking her head from side to side. I'm sure she's giving the Jesus, Jesus the attitude, the what for, the 
Yeah, I know. I know he's going to rise when everybody else does. You know, now she's a know-it-all. Now she knew the, the plan of Jesus the whole time, right? But she's not even listening to him. She's not listening to what he said to her. So it goes on and says, Martha, Jesus said, you don't have to wait until then. Man, the patience and the love and the, the kindness of Jesus never ceases to amaze me. Right? Jesus didn't get in the emotional boat with Martha here. He doesn't get all wrapped in, up into her disappointment. He doesn't even address her disappointment. He just states a fact. This is what I've been telling you all along. He didn't even tell her I told you so. He just said, you don't have to wait until then. I am the resurrection, and I am life eternal. Anyone who clings to me in faith, even though he dies, will live forever. And the one who lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Then Martha replied, yes, Lord, I do. I've always believed that you are the anointed one, the son of God who has come into the world for us. So we see here, here's a great example of the fact that we can have faith in, in Jesus, faith in God, and be disappointed in the situation. Now, if Martha was really thinking straight, she would have addressed Jesus maybe a little bit differently and said, I know you told me this wasn't going to end in death, so I'm expecting that he's going to come back to life. But Martha had never seen this before, right? And when you don't see this happen before, you don't expect it to happen again. When you don't see something before, you don't expect it to happen again. Church family, we have no excuses. Like we see in the word of God all of these things that have happened. We see all of these things over and over again. We hear this over and over again. That's why pastor teaches us all the time that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So Martha didn't know, I don't think she knew what to expect in this situation. That's why Jesus tried to tell her two times before it happened. But she got lost in her disappointment. She never gave up on her, on her faith in Jesus. So what didn't happen to Martha is she didn't get devastated. Now I want to point something out to you here. Mary and Martha are all the way through all of this with Jesus until after his resurrection. Like they stuck with him. If Martha had been devastated, do you think Jesus would have still raised Lazarus from the dead? Yes, because he already declared he would, right? He already said, this isn't ending in death for Lazarus. Lazarus, I'm gonna raise him from, uh, I didn't see that. He didn't say I was gonna raise him. He said, this is gonna end to the glory of God. So he was still gonna do this, but what would have happened to her if she would have gotten devastated? This could have been the last time we ever heard from Martha where she gets disappointed and says, Jesus wasn't here for me. He didn't do what he said he was gonna do, even though that would have not been true, right? He wasn't here when I needed him. How many times have we heard people in our life say this about our heavenly father, about God, or about the body of Christ? They're not there when I needed them. You're not there when I needed you. And it's all selfish disappointment. But where she made a good decision was that she didn't let it devastate her. 
she didn't let this ruin her relationship with Jesus. And so I want, I want you to, to know this too. And the word of God tells us this many times. It's okay to talk to God in the middle of our pain and our discomfort and in our disappointment. It's okay to have these conversations with him just as long as we don't ever speak doubt over who he is in our lives. Notice Martha never did that. She said, if you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. Maybe. That might, that might have been true. She said, I still believe. I've always believed that you're the son of God. She never doubted who Jesus was, even in the middle of her disappointment. And so thinking about your greatest moment of disappointment and how you came through it, you're sitting in this room, so I'm gonna make the assumption that you came to the same conclusion, that disappointing things are gonna happen in this life. We're going to be disappointed. I'm sorry you have not seen your last disappointment. I wish I had experienced my last disappointment at this point in my life, right? That would be nice to go the rest of this life and not ever be disappointed again. But if there's no disappointment and life is perfect, what would we need Jesus for? Right? And that's what God knew, that this life was gonna be full of disappointment. So he sent Jesus to us. Many of you may say, you know, that God didn't do for something for you at some point. But you need to remember that disappointment is never the failure of God to come through for you. Disappointment is our failure to see or remember that God is standing there no matter what we're going through. Disappointment is just forgetting that Jesus is here. You know, that's another excuse that we don't have that Martha had. Jesus wasn't there when Lazarus passed away. But he is with us literally every single second of every single day. So we don't have the excuse that, well, Jesus, you weren't there. Even though we hear people say that a lot. And so if they're saying that God, or if we ever say that God isn't there, then what we're saying is that we have walked away from him. Because the Bible says he'll never leave or forsake us. But the Bible does say there will be many who will fall away from him. And so there's another question to ask yourself. If you're in the middle of your disappointment and you don't sense God's presence around, have you stepped away from him? Maybe we've stepped away from him momentarily. You know, there have been two times in my life that I have lost people in my life where I was so disappointed and hurt that like emotionally I just didn't know how to cope with it, how to deal with it. When I lost my grandmother and when I lost my mother-in-law, like emotionally, I just, I didn't have it within myself to deal with it. The strength just wasn't there. And I didn't understand because, <coughs> excuse me, these were the two most godly women I ever knew in my life. But thank God, I've had enough teaching, I've sent under the word long enough, and I've read my Bible long enough, and I've had enough conversations with God that I'm convinced that even though I didn't know how to deal with it, I knew who to, who to go to. And he could help me deal with it. 
and he can process me through it. And he can bring me out on top, and he did. He did in both of those situations. So you just realize that in those times of disappointment, there's only one place to turn. But it goes back to that first scripture, we have to be convinced of that. So many people are led by their emotions. You know, golly, I see the news all the time and I see all these people standing around yelling and screaming at each other and like the vile. Did anybody see the the viral video that that went around this past week where um, there was a young man on a college campus reading his Bible? All he was doing was reading the Bible. Wasn't yelling at anybody. He wasn't, he wasn't, like in anybody's face, he wouldn't call them names. All these people, just all this hatred, just started spewing stuff at him. You know, all the cuss words, calling him this, calling him that. And then they grabbed the Bible out of his hands. And then they started tearing the pages out of it. And they started kicking the Bible around. And, and these people are so led by their emotions that every bit of common sense goes out the window And I see it happening all the time. And it's mostly on one side of the belief system. Now, let me say this. It's all on one side of the belief system. Because even people who do those things in the name of Jesus and call people nasty names and yell and, you know, these street preachers who do all this, they're not doing that in the name of Jesus. That's not God moving their heart to do that. So they're operating on the same side too, right? And that's the enemy. And the the enemy wants us to be so uh, provoked by our emotion that it causes us to make decisions that are outside of the word of God. And when we do that, because it always starts with disappointment, well, that isn't going the way that I think it should go. And then before you know it, man, it's blowing up. But if you can go to the word of God and you can say, okay, God's telling me to do this even if it goes against the grain, and we understand that as, as Christians, we're always going to be going against the grain of what this world says, right? But we're gonna do it in the way that the word of God tells us to, or at least do our best to do it that way. And if we figure out we're doing it wrong, then we'll just make that adjustment, right? That's what we as Christians are called to do. So I wanna give you three ways to deal with disappointment. And keep in mind as we talk about this, there are two disappointments. There's the disappointment of a situation caused by another person, and there's a disappointment that is caused by ourselves, right? Remember, all of that always comes from our expectation of somebody else. But sometimes we do have realistic expectations of other people, and they let us down, right? All the married people in the house know that we should have an expectation of our spouse to not cuss at us. Fair enough? We don't hit each other. Fair enough? Like, those are realistic expectations. But sometimes people are going to disappoint. Sometimes people are going to disappoint. Maybe you're not cussing at people, but maybe you're a spouse and you're just being mean to the other one all the time. Realize the disappointment that you're caught. Man, I just saw somebody bump somebody else. I was like, oh, yeah. That's okay. They're laughing about it. Golly, you guys are really tight tonight. Um, They were laughing about it. Um, but sometimes we're going to disappoint each other. And if you don't realize that, that we're going to disappoint each other, then you're setting yourself up for disappointment already, right? And then there's the disappointment that we have in ourselves where we didn't do the right thing. And that disappointment 
might be the most dangerous disappointment of all. Because learning how to forgive yourself and not doing that will cause you to be unforgiving towards everyone. If you can't forgive yourself, you won't be able to forgive anybody else. I know that sounds like a crazy, crazy statement, but in order to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior and realize that he has forgiven us and to accept that forgiveness is the basis of our Christianity. That's where forgiveness starts. And we can't give something out that we don't have ourselves, right? So we have to be able to forgive so we can't be disappointed all the time. Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8 says, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. The confidence that we have in God leads us to being convinced. That's our first point. Dealing with, dealing with uh, disappointment requires us being convinced. If you're not convinced that no matter what the season, no matter what drought's going on, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what kind of bumbling, um, uh, what's a, a nice word I can use here? Uh, old, um, golly, I'm really trying not to step on toes here. No matter what kind of person is in the White House, um, making poor decisions for the rest of us, no matter what kind of person, and I'm talking either, either side of the aisle, right? No matter what kind of person is making ungodly decisions for our nation, if you're not convinced that God's going to take care of you through all of that, man, it's going to be a world of hurt. It's going to be a world of hurt. And I get just as frustrated as anybody else. I get so frustrated with the political climate of our nation. It just infuriates me, you know? It, 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 and it's sad to me that our kids grow up seeing this, right? Nobody can get along. We can't have a conversation with the other side. That's, that's not gonna happen in their lifetime. And that's sad for them. But if I start focusing on that, my focus is not that no matter what's going on, that God's gonna take care of us and take care of my children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. If I'm not convinced that my family's not gonna be blessed to the fourth generation, then I'm gonna go crazy in this world. And it's not gonna end up good, right? So, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. We have to be convinced of that. The rest of the, the, rest of the scripture tells what it's like. Man, it's like a tree planted by streams of, of water. And we don't really understand that concept that well in New Mexico. Because uh, we don't have a lot of trees planted by streams of water, right? But you know how uh, you'll drive by the empty field and you see that one big old healthy tree in the middle of this... Uh, flat field and there's nothing else out there, that's planted by some water somewhere. Somehow that tree is getting water. We understand that concept. And that's a great concept to understand. We might be in a field all alone by ourselves, but if we're tapped into the living water of our Heavenly Father, if we're tapped into that relationship with God, it doesn't matter if everything else is dying around us. We're gonna flourish. And when the rest of the land is dead, and we're strong and living and standing up tall, then it's easy for the world to see the goodness of God in our lives, right? 
Do you guys always kind of wonder that about trees when you're driving by a field and you're like, man, how did that tree ever even get there? Who put that tree out there? I wonder about that kind of stuff all the time. I'm, when I'm driving through Redoso, I think about, you know, I, I play these little pictures in my mind, like these little movies about Billy the Kid was riding up there and, you know, shooting at each other. I'm still that child uh, on the inside. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Peter chapter 3. My second point tonight is dealing with disappointment requires patience. Now, I almost couldn't preach about this tonight because I, I've had a hard time conquering patience uh, recently. When you're sitting in your recliner for weeks at a time and everybody keeps telling you, oh, just keep being patient, it's all going to work out. And your first, the first thought that pops into your head is, well, you trade places with me and you be patient. We'll see how you like the patient piece of pie, right? We'll see if you like doing this. And so I almost wasn't able to preach about this because I'm not going to preach about something that I'm struggling with, right? Um, I'm going to have to have some victory to be able to speak on it. God has taught me so much patience. I have learned so much patience my entire life, but especially through this through this process that I've gone through because my disappointment was rooted in the fact that I didn't feel like the person that I was created to be. And some of you may be wondering, like, why did this affect you so bad? Because I'm not the kind of person that can just sit and do nothing in a day. Like, I can take vacation days and do that. Don't get me wrong. But in my day-to-day life, like, I need to be around people. I need to be around people. That's important for me. Why? Because I feel like that if I'm not around people, I'm not making an impact. And if I'm not making an impact, then I'm not doing what God's asked me to do. And if I'm not doing what God's asked me to do, why should I even be here? Like it's that simple in my brain. And so it it really rocked me, right? And so I was really having to learn patience. And this is a scripture. um, It's a great scripture. Um, this is a scripture that God kept reminding me of. It says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. This is the conclusion that I came to, that in the middle of my circumstance, God wasn't gonna let me be a failure. God can extend the days of my life so I'll be more productive than the days that I missed sitting in that recliner right? If God's called me to do something, he's not going to keep me from doing it. I might keep myself from doing it, but he's not going to keep me from doing it. And in thinking about how God is a God of a thousand days to a, to a day, a thousand years to a day, and a day to a thousand years, it really starts to put things in perspective. We get in a hurry sometimes to make things happen. Or sometimes maybe we want things to slow down. You know, watching your kids grow up, don't you want things to slow down for the most part, except for when they're throwing a fit? Speed up, get past that part, and then slow everything else down. But when you start to realize that your kids are going to be leaving the house, it's like, man, I wish these days would slow down. I miss the seven-year-old, you know. But God's God's a God that he owns time. It's like, it's like time has no effect on him. 
And this is how God ministered to me and taught me to overcome being impatient. He's the creator of time. And so you're not gonna miss out on anything. Man, God, I wish you'd hurry up and do this. I wish you'd hurry up and do that. Why? Why do you wish that? So you don't have to wait for it anymore? We're the McDonald's generation. Quarter pounder takes longer than four minutes to come out. We're irritated about it. Right? Heck, now we can call it Walmart and say, I'm picking up my groceries at 8 o'clock. And drive out there and the groceries are pretty much ready at 8 o'clock and you pretty much get what you ordered. Right? That's, that's the society that we've become. That's not our God. God is the God that took Joseph on a, on a journey of 13 years. God's the God that creates us and knows about us millions and billions and trillions of years before we're ever born. God's not concerned with all that like we are. So we shouldn't set ourselves up for disappointment. We should just trust God more. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Gosh, that's such an incredible statement, right? Like, this is what helped me, is that God doesn't think about slow the way that I think about slow. Because I think of my life being about, you know, I'm hoping for 110 years. That would be awesome to be one of those old guys that everybody says, how did you make it so long? And you're like, chocolate milk and hostess cupcakes. That's the key to life. That's how you can make it so long. I want to be one of those old guys. But when I think about 110 years, God doesn't even think about half of a breath. That's nothing to him. And so when we think about things being slow, we have to remember that we're dealing with the God who's eternal and that he's not gonna do things in our lives that are bad for us. He's not gonna do things in our lives that are bad for us. One, one more point tonight. Oh, let me finish that scripture. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Thank God that he's patient. The last point today is dealing with disappointment requires determination. Hebrews 10, 35, and 36 says, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Just be determined. You know, if you're convinced that what God says in his word is, is true, and you have the patience to walk situations out, you're prepared to be determined to see it to the end. And when we're determined, there's nothing in this world that can stop us. The Bible says nothing is impossible to us that believe in him, right? That if we ask God for it, he'll give it to us. Doesn't say what time he'll give it to us, but he said he'll give it to us. When we do these things, we become a better version of ourselves. The last thing I want to tell you tonight is remember that when you're talking about all of these things with God and, and being disappointed, look back on your past. A lot of your nevers have become your nows. 
I never thought I would have had a home as nice as I have. I never thought that I would be blessed with a wife that I'm blessed with. I didn't know that that was possible. I never dreamed growing up that I would have a church family as amazing as all of you. I never dreamed that we would have an impact in this city like we did, like we have. Now, some people like Pastor Troy, they dream it. Maybe he knew that from the time he was, I don't know, we'd have to ask his mom. You know, the guy, the guy amazes me. He always says, oh yeah, we're gonna do this. And then there's a little part in my mind where I'm like, man, Pastor, I'd really like to believe you, but I don't think that's happening. You know, he told me like, you know, I forget, probably eight or nine years ago. Oh yeah, we're gonna have a restaurant at the church. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, yeah. We'll have a restaurant at the church, right? And then we have a restaurant at the church, right? And because he's a dreamer and he sees things and we don't all have to be that guy, right? We don't all have to be the dreamer. We just have to be the people to remember that our nows were once our nevers and that we're willing to hitch our wagons to the dreamers. We all have our place in the body of Christ and don't be disappointed when something doesn't happen in the way that you thought that it should happen. And never let your, your disappointment turn to devastation. Keep your faith in your relationship with God. He is so faithful. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? And because he's so faithful, he has shown us time and time again in our lives, in the Bible, with other people that you know, he's shown himself that no matter where we go in life, that as long as we're living on this earth, that he's willing to have a relationship with us. He's willing to repair things for us and fix our lives and help us to grow and be the best version of ourselves that we can be. And that all starts with kind of what we started talking about tonight, just being convinced that what God says is right. And maybe some of you are sitting out there tonight and you're not convinced. Or maybe you haven't been convinced until tonight and the Holy Spirit's been ministering to your heart and he's even been speaking to you as I've been speaking to you. Maybe you heard him talking over me and that's okay. Maybe he was telling you about things that you've been through your life that it's just time to fix. Time to get past disappointment and just start completely believing in him and giving your life to him. And if he's speaking to your heart tonight, I don't care if you've come here for 12 years or this is your third or fourth time being here. It doesn't matter. God's willing to meet you wherever you are. And so tonight, if that's you, and you're just tired of the disappointments that you've put in your own life, and you're ready to turn your life over to Jesus and say, okay, I'm convinced. I know you're the answer for me. And you, you wanna receive him as the Lord and Savior of your life tonight? then we wanna pray with you and help you do that. Or if you've been the person that, you know, had, had a good relationship with him and maybe you did get disappointed about something. And maybe you walked away for a little while. Maybe your heart just hasn't been right towards him. And he's been telling you, man, you need to serve. You need to get involved in the church. You need to do this. You need to do that. And you keep just kind of putting him off. And you know that tonight's the night that you're supposed to give your life back to him and do what he really asked you to do. And on the count of three here in a minute, I just want you to lift your hand and we're all gonna pray together. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. We're all gonna pray with you. 
The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, he is who he says he is, and he died for you, then you'll be saved. That's all we're gonna do. So right now, if that's you and you need to lift your hand and pray, then, then go ahead. One, two, three. Go ahead and lift your hand. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for all of those hands over there. Thank you for those hands in the back. I see all those. Thank you over there on the side. You can put your hands back down once you've lifted them. Thank you. So if you would, please, just repeat this prayer after me and just believe in your heart. Just believe in your heart every word that you say here. Heavenly Father, I pray to you and I ask you for help. I ask you for help because I know I'm not capable of living this life on my own. I'm tired of the way things are in my life and I want them to change. So Jesus, please come into my life. Be my Lord, be my Savior. Please forgive me of all the times I've sinned against or disappointed you. I'm yours. Please be mine. And I pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus, my Lord and Savior. Amen. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.